1: Hither me, hither me into the corners of the yester pub. Oh, hither me with fern branch and pine cone and glow of oak flaming betwixt the midnight hours. Reach me into your own realm. Reach for my hand across the brass. Hand me pint, O oh, foaming maid. And take my arm as we walk toward the moon underwater. with Johnny Jr here at the bar and I have to say um, our cleaner has been so the place is looking A1 P1 Defcon 1. it looks amazing. It is sparkling it is shining. There are areas of sort of matte. so it's not shining everywhere because our cleaner knows where to leave areas of matte. Um, amongst the, the tapestries and the older woods, which we we don't mind the odd sort of bit of woodworm. Um, and here we are, sat in this gleaming, glorious pub, the pub in which we invite a guest every week to create their dream pub here at The Moon Underwater. But before they enter, I get to catch up with the one and only... The most blessed regular of the Moon Underwater, the lovely Robin Allender. Hello,
2: Robin. Pull up a pew, mate. Hello, John. Thanks for this pew. And it is looking—it's looking sparkling here. A1P1. What's P1? Position one. Right. Everything's in its right place. Yeah. Mm.
1: Defcon one Defcon is one. that we're ready to go to war. Have you ever used cream cleaner? Um. What do you mean? Like your sifs, your gifs yeah 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 yeah
2: i've got a bit of sif knocking around it's stunning i thought i'd ruined my hob did you yeah yeah it's a what's the one called where it go? oh what's it called where you put your pan on and it makes it go on uh, uh induction induction it's an inductione, and i thought i'd completely ruined it by putting. you know what you should never do with an induction pan Oh, tell me. Put a dry pan on it to heat up. What do you mean a dry pan? A pan with nothing in it. Oh, right. A, like a pan, an empty pan. You should never put an empty pan on an induccione because it gets far too hot. Yeah. And it, I mean, this isn't very interesting, but it made a right mess of the hob with kind of compressed steam. Ah. That was and the dampness of the it pan. So you had a wet pan bottom and a dry pan top. You could do the maths. Yeah. <laughs> and um I thought it was ruined. Uh cream cleaner 60P. Yeah. It was off in seconds. It's astonishing stuff.
1: I use uh grease away. You know there's a range of like household cleaning products that look very industrial that you can now get yeah. in the supermarket. I use grease away on my hobs, on your bottom, <laughs> on my hobs and my bottom. Um but Robin before our guest enters the Moon Underwater, I've got a little bit of exciting mist mail news. Because every week, the mist mail arrives uh, from those who have emailed John at Moon Under Pod on various topics for us to cogitate and deliberate and discuss here at the Moon Underwater. But this week, I had some physical mist boxes, Robin. Mist boxes? I did. I had a mist box from Dark Star Brewing Co., Ooh, one of my favourite breweries. Yeah, and Darkstar sent me not just a cap, not just two t-shirts, not just a pair of socks. Socks, socks, yeah. Darkstar do socks now, and I love the cap. It's slightly, it's got a slight feel of that sort of Shagavara shape. So I look a bit like a revolutionary who's trying to cause a
2: beer revolution. Mm. Oh, What you mean it's kind of got a short peak?
1: Yeah, well, it's just sort of more, it's slightly, it's like a baseball cap, but slightly flatter.
2: Okay, right. Um, but anyway,
1: they also sent me some uh, beers. Now, usually we only do beer tastings on Behind the Cellar Door, which is the bonus podcast. You can access via uh, patreon.com forward slash moon under pod. But I thought I would taste a couple of their delights before we open the actual mist mail. Sure. Um, so first off I've got something I probably wouldn't usually choose myself. It's creme brulee stout.
2: Ooh.
1: It's a shit business.
2: It's a shit business.
1: Um, that's a reference to, uh, the League of Gentlemen.
2: Yeah, sorry, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not slagging off Dark Star Brewery, I'm, you know, it was the, the, the band in, uh, anyway, carry on.
1: It's 5.9%, which falls outside of my usual realm, but I'm going to give it a go. I've, I've, it's been in the fridge, but I've taken it out a while back, because I don't want it too cold.
2: He's tugging at his ring pull.
1: All right, pour a bit of that out. Don't mind if I do what color are we chatting oh it's very dark where's well, a stout oh right it smells like I'll tell you what it smells like it smells like vanilla it almost smells a bit like a um what do you call it uh affogato which is when you pour a s- espresso on vanilla ice cream which i love i love it so let's see if it lives up to the affogato
2: Oh, it's very
1: drinkable that.
2: Really? Because you're not normally you you don't normally like a stout unless it's the big G. Yeah, well I don't like the sort of intense bitterness of some stouts, but this
1: is very smooth. And it does have that sweetness of the creme brulee, which is vanilla. And I'm just looking at the the ingredients. So water, malt, barley Lactose, oats, malted wheat, hops, vanilla, extract and
2: yeast. Lactose?
1: Yeah, so it does have a milky custardy because they're trying to get a custardy flavour. I tell you what it tastes like if you made a sort of coffee custard with um, vanilla in. It's very, very pleasant. That That
2: sounds nice. I've just got a Belgian lager here, brewed in... uh Brewed in Louvain in uh, Belgium <laughs> since 1366. Nice uh, premium lager here. Yeah. It says uh, 50% recycled aluminium on the side. No, it, it, I mean, it is Stella Artois, but, You've you know. You've got a
1: Stella, and there's no shame in having a Stella.
2: There's no shame in having Stella.
1: Um, the next one I'm going to try...
2: Is oh, the, right, there's more than one. Yeah, it's the Dark Star Seville. What's the Dark Star kind of classics? What are we chatting? What people might have seen in pubs? So, Hophead
1: is their most pubbed, uh, the American IPA. Mm. And also their best is called Partridge, which is really nice.
2: Ah, Hophead is a lovely one. Yeah, it's kind of classic bitter, isn't
1: it? It's a, well, it's a classic sort of Pal but I think it's 3.9% Hophead.
2: Head. Mm. it's. Yeah, very so nice. So this is Darkstar Seville. Oh, I like that. Uh, the, the the can there. It looks like sort of planets, uh, kind of floating around a solar system. But are they
1: oranges? They are. Well, they're they're planets that are also I think meant to represent oranges. Nice. But they've got a very strong brand, Darkstar, named after the uh, Grateful Dead song, Darkstar. Oh right. Quite good. Uh, anyway, I'm going to open up this Seville pale ale. It is four four percent.
2: Nice. You're not going to need to buy any clothes for a couple of decades now, are you, with your Dark Star Brewery T-shirts? Not at all. Not at all. (laughs) I do love their pump clips, though.
1: They look like the sort of um, tube station signs. So I've poured the Seville
2: Pale Ale. Let's have a look. Hold it up to the light. Oh, yes, that's a lovely kind of coppery colour, I would say.
1: Yeah, it is copper. It looks a bit like a sort of whiskey colour.
2: It does. Let's have a go on
1: this. Ooh. Well, having said that, it does have whiskey notes. Mmm. But I would say it's definitely, you can definitely taste the orange. I don't mean this as a a criticism. It tastes a bit like Barocca.
2: (laughs) And I like the taste of Barocca. That would be quite a good kind of, drink and hangover cure in one wouldn't it alcoholic Barocca. i'm sure someone's done it oh i tell you what
1: if you like negronis or if you like campari what
2: i was just gonna say is what's the some whiskies have a very kind of orange zesty some bourbons rather have a kind of orange zesty kind of taste to them
1: yeah if you like a negroni then your new favourite beer is Darkstar Brewing Co. Seville Orange Pale Ale. That sounds stunning. What ABV we chatting? Four Ps. Four percent. Bang on the D. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much to Darkstar for the uh, box mist. But we've had some genuine mist mail uh, sent to John at Moonona Pod. Robin, talk. We've, <laughs> we've had a couple of mists encircle their way through. Hang but- on, let me just move this scythe. It's ridiculous having this scythe in between us on its special Perspex holster. Yeah.
2: Move the scythe. Let the mist come sort of floating, wafting through the keyhole. And we have got a mist mail here from James. He says, just a quick mist this evening. The question of what mild means came up in Abigail Newton's episode today. And I'm probably not the only one to email in, but it really just meant fresh or unmatured, in the days when lots of beers were stored by the brewery before sending out to pubs. Old ales, vatted ales, keeping ales. These would have picked up some, wow, what is that word? Bretonomyces character. How, 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 how do you say that, John? <laughs> I'm just going to look that up in my mind. It's a type of fungus. It's a non-spore-forming genus of yeast to the family of Saccharomycetia, often colloquially referred to as Brett. Yeah. That'd be a good name for a beer. So these would have picked up some kind of of this kind of uh, yeast-like bacteria, I suppose. Important to the brewing and wine industries due to the sensory compound it produces. So it's kind of matured a bit there. Whereas mild mild ales were running beers, brewed, fermented, then sent straight out. So it's to do with the freshness. That's a really good factoid. Yours in pubs, James. That's brilliant. Thanks, James. Love it. I did not know that. So it was, it was just, it's, it's all kind of the same kind of beer, but it's just to do with the process, I suppose, how quickly it would go out there. Lovely stuff. Another missed mail here from Gabe. Messrs. John and Robin. I couldn't find an email address and I'm not exactly sure what constitutes missed mail, but rest assured that I have focused my all on communicating this with you through the ether. John at Moon Underpod usually does the trick, but, <laughs> but Gabe goes on to say... Firstly, thank you so much for your marvellous podcast, which I listened to on the dot of its weekly Spotify release to accompany my Monday commute down the A or M1 traffic dependent. Gabe, make it a Sunday by subscribing on Patreon. But Gabe goes on to say, what particularly caught my ear last week was Robin's reading of 1234 The Beatles in Time. And he says that he was incensed to hear that Paul McCartney and his entourage had plumped for Harold, a village I despise. for cricket cricket reasons with no offence intended to the Magpie or any other pub so I found myself considering other Bedfordshire villages and their pubs which might have peripherally made their way onto Peter Asher and Derek Taylor's acid-fuelled shortlist perhaps the Engineers Arms in Henlow with its traditional local iteration of the back wall barrel vibes akin to the Brie Louise Um, and I like this one, the Cock in Broom Surely a contender for charming village name which has no bar, just an open cellar into which the landlord descends, emerging back with one's remarkably affordable and always optimum quality tipple of choice. That sounds fabulous. I don't mind that. This is literally behind (laughs) the cellar door. Yeah. The Cock holds an annual music festival which, having attended one year, I mistakenly marketed to my friends as Cockfest for the following few months before realising it actually went by the more appropriate guise of Broomstock. Or, just around the corner, I imagine Paul McCartney sat with a frosty pint at Ickwell Cricket Club, looking out over a game of cricket on the idyllic green, the home team losing to Biggles Wade, of course. (laughs) I really like this. I've had to abridge it because it was a really long message, but it's so good. I hope I've done the Bed's pub scene the justice I know it to deserve, and offer Robin and his brother a few other options for future pilgrimages. Thank you dearly once again for the podcast. The platform is an infallible pastime and companion to me and my brother, providing an intricate insight into all things publy during times over the last year or so when that has been exactly what we needed the most. Yours in pubs, Gabe. Oh, thanks, Gabe. Love that. And yes, I think I shall do that with my brother. We, we should do a pilgrimage of um, pubs around Bedfordshire. That sounds brilliant. What's the
1: Bedfordshire pub
2: scene like, Rob? for you what pubs what are the good pubs in beds well the three tons is a great pub that i often go to with my brother and they they have some really nice beers there but the the wellington arms in bedford is absolutely fantastic and that is the real kind of real ale one yeah where they have just fantastic range of ales and ciders on you know they've got loads of beer mats on the walls it's absolutely brilliant lovely stuff Sorry, I've just been sneezing constantly.
1: I sneeze in, like, tens. Ah, yes. I don't sneeze often, but when I do, I go for it. Mm, Here we go again. Good grief, Lord of mercy, rest thine hand on my shoulders, so.
2: Probably lose this bit. No, no, keep it it in. Everyone sneezes. Yeah. If you... What's your favourite pub to, to sneeze in? You know, do write us an email.
1: Well... I was thinking people could write in, John at moonunderpod.com, what would be the best uh combination of famous person in pub? Mm. So talking about talking about uh, Paul McCartney yeah. watching Biggle Swades lose or yeah, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. What's your dream combo of a famous person in a pub? What are they doing? What are they drinking?
2: I've had a great idea for a podcast um about um I really like this American jazz musician. He died a died a couple of years ago, sadly. Lyle Mays, brilliant jazz pianist, and the podcast would be called um, "A Pint with Lyle Mays." And in it, I kind of I kind of do historical research to work out if Lyle Mays ever visited any of my favourite pubs in Bristol. Mm. Um, so it'd be like you know the Hair on the Hill. No, don't think so. Highbury Vaults. No, not sure. The Annex. No, I don't think he ever actually went to Bristol. You know, but it would be a great series. <laughs> but I'd love to have a pint with Lyle Mays in the annex. That would be brilliant. Well, if you can imagine your
1: favourite celebrity or person of note in a pub, let us know who it is, what pub it is, what they're doing and what they're drinking. Yeah,
2: please. Musician, it could be a musician, just a, a, you know a reality TV star, a writer. Sally Gunnell. Inner Yates is yes. having a
1: vodka and cranberry juice.
2: Yes. Uh, I think it would be quite nice to have someone kind of quite highbrow in, for want of a better word, a lowbrow pub. Yeah, but would they go there? Well, you'd have to take them there. You'd force them to go.
1: No, it's but it's like, where do you imagine them to be? So let's go
2: for... Um, Julian Barnes. Julian Barnes. In... What's that pub in Bedminster called? That's just a kind of cider pub. It looks like someone's living room. The Apple. <laughs> uh,
1: no, um, the barley mo. The barley Moe, Yeah, I'd have mo. Julian. The
2: coronation. No, the coronation's nice. I mean, not that the Apple isn't nice. I don't even know if it's open anymore. I just look it up in my mind. Apple tree.
1: No, but it's where would you imagine Julian Barnes being?
2: Sure. Okay.
1: Or, or anyway, whatever you want, whatever you it's want. It's free swim. It's free whatever swim. You want.
2: I'd have Julian Barnes in the barley mow. That would be wicked. But let's carry on.
1: Yeah. So uh, anyway, folks, the the moon underwater is looking spick and span as we discussed. But I've got to get on, get on the blower to the uh, the, the chariot service uh, in the correct realm, because our guest has his wants and his needs. So I'm going to get on the old blower to, uh, A1 chariots and, uh, we will see what becomes of thence. Well, Robin... If my ears do not deceive me, that's the sound of many a chariot. Would you say that's the sound of many a chariot? Your ears have deceived you in the past. They have, but that's the distinct clip-clop of chariot wheel on cobbled, air-moving stone. Mm.
2: Yes, I think I can hear that now.
1: Yeah, the, 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 the streets are shifting with chariot aboard them, mm. and if there's one person I know who insists on traveling by chariot whenever possible um never if there's you know cheap airline traveling that direction they won't use it then but if if ever there's 90 percent of the time there's one person i know who likes to travel by chariot from from pub to pub it's historian tv presenter dan snow and in through the door as if A a visage from the past and the present It's Dan himself, hello Dan Hey,
3: just tying up the old
1: horses outside (laughs) Ready to go
3: With some, I imagine, some ancient medieval knots Some yarn, yeah, that that I got from the Chatham The ropery at Chatham (laughs) The greatest, longest built building in England Up to that point in history But we can talk about that later
1: And Danny, are you sporting a little bit of woad on the old face?
3: Well obviously, you know, gotta put your war paint on to go to the pub. Yeah.
1: You have and welcome to The Moon Underwater, a pub sort of that's been here since the dawn of time. What do you make of some of its antique
3: fittings? I mean, I love what you've done with it. I love I love it. It's it's it's, it's traditional, but but daringly contemporary as well. Mm.
1: Yes, and we've we've got what some people we can't prove it but some people believe to be one of Boudica's Lances, but we've We've written underneath Boudicca and Bodicea so that no one feels left out by the pronunciation. Sure,
3: it's a good point that, by the way, which is the the best pubs have got. I mean, dodgy historical artifacts are essential. Yeah. Essential. <laughs> yeah,
1: an awe, just an awe oh, from yes. somewhere.
3: Yeah, an old musket, a scythe.
1: Yeah, a, a scythe or siver. Yeah, yeah, uh, depending on your your preferences. <laughs> uh, Dan, you've spent most of your life dwelling on past lives and past events. Talk to us about the pub in history, the history in the pub. It's been a sort of constant throughout the periods of English history that you've you've
3: studied. Oh, I mean, the tavern, the pub, is as important in the building of communities, and the building of our modern world, as the church, which they would have been the two communal buildings in a, in a, in a settlement. Uh, particularly, I'm just thinking now about the early European settlement of North America, so colonists would go along. They, they, they'd, build, they'd build their farmsteads, they'd build a church, and they'd build a tavern. That was where the business was done. It's where the talking was done. It's where communion, socialising was had with each other, long, dark winter nights, the joyful times before home entertainment. You know, you'd just go to the pub, you'd laugh, you'd dance, you'd sing, you'd fight. Uh, and it's where Dangerous ideas spread as well, right? The taverns, it's where you'd, you'd pass pamphlets from one hand to the next, one little sweaty palm to the next. You'd dare to think about a, king, a country without a king or a, or a you know, way of doing things differently. So the pub is at the heart of our human story and also some
1: things never change because the pub is still at the heart of misinformation
3: <laughs> yeah in a, in, a, in a in a kind of funny way isn't it yeah like i i heard that down the pub like that is right it's at the heart of misinformation but it's the heart of it's the, it's at the heart of exchange and i read a woman um a very generous female columnist who you know, everyone jokes about mansplaining and how we mansplain all the time which do, and she wrote that like in in fairness to men if you sit with a group of men they mansplain to each other as well it's not a it's not necessary it can be it's necessarily <laughs> yes. a misogynistic thing so we go to the pub and rather than going you're right mate you know I've recently been feeling really anxious about my subscriber numbers on my podcast and I just really makes me feel like I don't know really what I'm doing at this time in my life and is Dan, have you, have you had access to our analytics? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so yeah, that's the conversation you don't have in the pub, right? The conversation you do have is like, "Yo, off, absolutely mad, absolutely amazing day." Uh, did you know, like uh, Toussaint Louverture, right? The um, Haitian general uh, betrayed by his uh, fellow um, uh, liberated slaves, uh, ended up dying in France in 1804. Couldn't believe it when I found that. You know, that is—it's a place for exchange. It's a place for factual exchange where men can just. Dis- give give uh full reign to this like insane habit we have of wanting to just mansplain to each other about this weird shit (laughs) do you have favorite historical
1: pubs sort of separate to the your favourite pubs you have to go to or do you like to go to a historical pub? Well, I mean
3: obviously I like to go to a historical pub mm. but I mean I have to say I also like going to pubs near my house and so therefore I'm, you know, <laughs> a pub is a pub is better than no pub mm. therefore I do go to the Royal Oak near my house it's not particularly historic but it's good enough for me however I do love a historical pub whether it's the that I live near Southampton and the great tragedy of southampton it was it was burned to the ground um in 1940 and i guess the sort of double tragedy is that unlike many european cities it was never built back to how it was before when it was one of the great one of the great cities of of europe um and so there's one or two historic pubs tucked away in southampton uh, there's a couple of historic pubs in the new forest which are which are lovely um the oak and fritham various other, like so i um and then the, the great pubs of liverpool i, I think I've, I've been to recently the great pubs of the east end deptford Rather highs, love those pubs. So yeah, historic, keen for a historic pub, but not nece- You know, it's it's ne- it's not a necessary precondition to me going to a pub. One one key geographical area you missed there was Oxford pubs.
2: For uh, any any faves spring to mind.
3: Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I, I I sort of liked all the touristy pubs really. I mean, I, I love the turf and the the, the um. Actually, I've gone mad. Is it the turl or the turf now with the, the, the turf on the open fire? The turf, yeah, turf.
1: But there is also the turl.
3: Right, well, maybe that's what. I'm, yeah, so and you know, so I love the old, I love that, and then um, Eagle and Child's historic pub. I mean, there's all the pubs historic because you probably work out bloody, you know, Charles Darwin's probably scribbling down bits of bits of stuff on a notepaper or having a few beers, right. So I mean, that's the nice thing.
1: I hear you're a fan of the Mayflower in Rotherhithe.
3: Yes, yeah. I mean, that just you feel like you're about to get press-ganged, sent to sea, <laughs> <laughs> end up waking up in the sort of bilges of one of Nelson's ships. Mm. Signed up to serve His Majesty. Yeah, I mean, I love I love that pub. I mean, I, I love a pub. I love. Uh, I just, I, I'm very this. I, I love I love pubs. There's one in Kent I went to the other day where a Battle of Britain airman was landed in the garden of the pub and had a beer. You know, he shot down, had a, a beer. Oh, what's the name of that pub? I can't remember. I have a terrible story, but anyway, I was there in, <laughs> over in Kent having a pint there. Couldn't stand up inside, so low beams. The, the the best pub i've ever been to in britain is um i can't even pronounce it because it's the, it's the Dufferin arms or something i think in 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 the the gwyn valley in wales just outside well in pembrokeshire and it's a little valley that you'd struggle to get to. I mean, it's, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's a very traditional pub and it's actually a cottage where someone's opened their front room and there's a little hatch into the front room where they serve ale. They have a, it's a licensed premises. They basically can serve ale in their house. Wow. And you go in there and there's like recruiting posters from the First World War, but it's not ironic. They just haven't, no one's ever put anything else up. How, how do you spell that name, Dan, so that our Welsh listeners can get in touch
1: with any memories?
3: Yeah, and, and get angry at me, but D-Y-F-F-R-Y-N... And it's it's on the it was briefly famous around the millennium because they, they still stick to the Gregorian calendar that the rest of Britain moved <laughs> from in about, you know, about the early 18th century. So they, they celebrate New Year's Day, at Eve, about a week, two weeks later, ten days later than the rest of us.
2: I suppose no no uh, millennium bug, though, so...
3: No millennium bug. Well, I'll tell you, mate, there's no digital... If, you, if there were a massive electro, if there were a massive solar flare that whacks every single circuit on the planet Earth... The um, visitors to that pub, the drinkers, will no, not notice any difference whatsoever. <laughs> I reckon
1: that's pronounced Dufferin. Is it Dufferin? I, that, that's my best guess, having access to a Welsh speaker. Yeah, I'd,
2: I'd maybe, I think Diff. I'd say potentially Diff, but who who are we to say? Well, it's
1: Dufford Powers Police. Mm, mm. And that's that's knowledge from traffic cops <laughs> who would not lie to me. So, Dan, you live in Southampton, which isn't a, it is not its a historic naval oh, city. Absolutely ooh, it is. Ooh. But I imagine you would you would live somewhere either Stonehenge or Hadrian's Wall, somewhere sort of ultimately historic.
3: Well, don't worry, I do basically. I live in I live outside Southampton in the New Forest. I live very close to the village of Bewley in Buckter's Hard, where King John built a monastery, where Nelson ships were built for the navy, and uh, using New Forest oak. Um, and they sailed they slipped down where i'm looking now i can see the river and, and i i would have been able to see HMS Agamemnon slide down the, the Beaulieu river towards towards the open sea take part in the battle of trafalgar eventually there's a the ship uh, the master builders is the is the pub in buckles absolutely beautiful place lovely especially in the winter dark oak interior with a big fire crackling away in various memorials to ships that were built just on the slipway outside so don't don't panic i do bathe in the waters of the Bewley river and i and i and i dined on a on a hardened table of recycled oak from a, a man of war so don't worry
2: that's good as as a historian do you have a, a favorite era uh, cuz historians i know they tend to have a very favorite era that's almost compressed to about a fortnight in the 14th century or something like that do you, do, you, do you, can you can you can you narrow it down to a specific
3: day <laughs> well, I, I, if you ask me, from the day on which um, I'd like to revisit, my head would explode. It's like asking a physicist about the, actually the constants of mass or something. But I, I um, because there's so many that I can't really, I find it too difficult. It's
1: easy, Dan. Fresh as week 2001. Whee,
3: whee. <laughs> uh, well, listen, in my own personal history, damn right, it was yeah, Ibiza long weekend, August bank holiday weekend, 2005. Anyway. So I, but you know, I think the yeah, 18th century, I find that period fascinating. I find, you know, that the, um, that period when this little island that we live on, this bloody random little island, went from being kind of totally peripheral player on the world stage to being like globally dominant, you know, inventing the Industrial Revolution. Like, a to- like what on uh, the things that happen on this island have changed the lives of everyone on this entire planet. It's completely mad. Mm. So I find that period quite fascinating.
1: Uh, Robin put me onto a great podcast called The History of the English yeah. Language. And uh, I just listened to episode 100 yesterday. So I've listened to 100 hours of the history of words. And we're only up to the death of King John.
3: Yes. Renewable series. That's cool. That guy, that podcast has got mad. He's got mad game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
1: King John, bad reputation, but very good at admin, which I like.
3: Uh, allegedly. I mean, that's what his his sort of... Apologists go, yeah, you know, he's good admin, King John. But I mean, you know, mm. come
1: on. He knew how to extort taxes and keep
2: accurate records, and I like to think that that lives on in me. The king, the Shakespeare play, is really interesting because what what are the two things King John's most famous for? Uh, Magna Carta. Yeah and robin hood
3: and he's doing his brother over yeah, robin hood over. <laughs> yeah
2: but neither of those are mentioned you see, you're
3: asking the, you're asking the wrong guy because I, I was about to say like storming rochester castle and <laughs> dying of dysentery and dying of dysentery in lincolnshire having lost the crown jewels in the wash but you know, again you're asking the wrong guy <laughs> yeah
1: have they ever checked out the wash to find them
2: because there must be a lot of jewels in the wash they literally got lost i mean i've lost many things in the wash a, fi- a fiver, the odd fiver in the wash. But anyway, Shakespeare doesn't mention those two big things in the play, which is kind of weird when you think about it. Anyway, sorry, yes. Idiot. Idiot, <laughs> yeah. Useless, useless man. <laughs> I'm worried I've used up all my historical facts in the first well, 10 minutes. we're in a minutes. pub,
3: that's fine, because this, this is what people with no history, like me, I, like occasionally I talk about football and science in the pub and just say things that obviously aren't true. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Dan, were we to walk into your dream pub of the mind what sort of pub would it be and perhaps it's fitting to ask what period in history would we find ourselves in
3: oh well i think i I mean i'm actually not a medievalist I, i don't I find the medieval period very hard to understand, but it would be the oldest goddamn possible pub. I mean, it'd be so old, it'd be like falling over. It'd be it would be crooked beams that were saplings when the Romans left these islands. It would be it would be dark as hell. There'd be those sometimes there might even be those little stalls. You know, you get those little stalls in old pubs where they're almost um, boarded off. Little tables are almost boarded off from each other. There would be the mother of all fires. There would be historical detritus hanging from those rafters and beams. The raft, beams would be blackened, blackened with the smoke of fire and fags. And actually, I'm not a kind of listed buildings kind of guy. Like, if there was a bit of graffiti on there from World War Two American GIs who were tucking into the pints and the and the lovely local ladies in in 1944, just before going after D-Day, that's great for me. And I, you know what? I don't even hate a couple of foreign. Foreign currency bills pinned to the wall behind the bar. I quite. I just. I don't mind that. I don't mind that. Well, there's
1: a pub in in Wendover, just up from where I live in Amersham, that, ac- according to my friend, has a a medieval lady's part carved into the lintel above the door. Jesus. It's a March seal of approval. <laughs> In this crumbling, dark as hell pub, blackened with fire and fags, I love that phrase, uh, what are your first two draft options?
3: Well, I, I have been on a, a journey, guys. Um, have you? When I was in my 20s, I looked upon old guys drinking warm beer with absolute disdain and i you know and i was just like a fizzy cold lager kind of guy i just couldn't understand it and now i have not had a pint of lager since i turned 35 i don't know what it is something it's it's like a it's it's just bizarre isn't it it's a completely extraordinary I can almost hear the camera members applauding.
2: <laughs> yeah. I've gone the other way, I'm afraid. <laughs> I've gone to Have that. you really? That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, I don't know why.
3: Uh, in hot countries, which obviously this isn't one, uh, uh, you know, when I'm in Italy and we've been filming at Pompeii all day and I've come out, someone hands me a, a sort of tall net continental lager and a lot tall glass. It does not touch the sides. It's no. the most gorgeous thing I've ever had in my life. But in Britain, I am now Mr. Real Ale. I, I, I'm like, fu- I'm fully into it. But let's let's
1: put this to bed because people, I, I guess a lot of other countries might sort of use the stereotype of warm ale, but the ideal temperature of ale is about 11 to 13 degrees. So a similar temperature to like white wine.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm, I shouldn't have said warm ale. I, I, you're right. But Ringwood Breweries, who's my local brewery, well, my local big, probably more commercial brewery, although we might come on to my other local breweries. So Ringwood do a lovely 49er. Oh yeah, do they do boondoggle? Is that Ringwood? They do boondoggle, which I was going to say is would be another option for me. Yeah, and yeah, I just love a, or I love a, if a it's Cornish tribute maybe. I like a golden ale. Like yeah, so I'm not like a full. In a way, I'm a bit of a Johnny Come Lately to ale because I, I like a, I like an IPA. I love a, I love a, um, you know, I love a punk. IPA, which I know drives some real ale guys crazy. So I like a fruity, new, crazy, silly ale. Um, so I'm not entirely traditional in that respect. Mm. But your
1: first choice is Ringwood Brewery 49er. It's 4.9% fittingly, and has on the nose, multi fresh hop aromas. And on the taste, Full bodied bittersweet, which kind of <laughs> covers all of the <laughs> covers every possible taste. Yeah. It tastes like beer, is the tasting.
3: <laughs> Absolute balls.
1: Yeah. What What would be your second draft? Well, choice? let's go
3: with the boondoggle. Let's go with the oh, boondoggle. Oh, nice. Two ringwoods. Double ringwood. Yeah. I don't own shares in ringwood. I've nothing to do with it. I've never been in touch their to PR department. Don't worry. But let's just, I like to support the local. I mean, I think, you know, in this crazy world of bloody supply chain and. Jeff Bezos owning everything. I think go local. I like it. He probably Ringwood's probably owned by Amazon. <laughs> the old.
2: Boondoggle's lovely. How how strong is Boondoggle? Boondoggle is four point two
1: percent uh on the nose, hoppy citrus on the taste, hoppy well balanced.
2: It's very nice, kind of go it's quite golden in in appearance, isn't it? Actually? I like
3: a gold you see, I do like a golden ale. Maybe that's from my lager drinking days. I do, I do like that. Yeah, I like that. So
1: you've really already got a very local sense in your pub, because you're walking in, you're seeing your two pumps, and it's double doggle. <laughs> it's double ringwood. Yeah.
2: In a nice pub, in a nice pub, in a nice pub, in a nice pub, in a nice pub. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care.
3: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's
0: plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: So what would be your two bottled choices? Or cans, I should say. You can, you know, if that young lager drinker is still there, don't be afraid to uh, quench his thirst.
3: Yeah, And I think, you know, I do like the brew dog thing, I'm afraid, and I get in trouble for this when I say it on the internet, but I like the brew dog thing. I'll take a punk IPA, I think, Uh, if it's hotter, particularly if it's a hotter day. I mean, that stuff absolutely flies down. And then the really lovely thing is that my very, very, very local village, Dibden, has just a little brewery. It's just, you know, emerged like Athena bursting from the head of Zeus. In, in, like, in a very slightly unpromising place. You wouldn't have guessed it. And it's called the Vibrant Forest Brewery. It's sort of forestry and... I mean, I just... I don't know, man. It's just heaven.
1: But you're picking one of their
2: beers?
3: Uh, yeah, is there, is there a... Is it called Stygian Abyss or something? I think I... Is it purple? I, was, I had a few of those.
2: Stygian face, Abyss. Yeah, wow. Hang on, hang on, hang on. 11.5. <laughs>
3: Oh, yeah, I should have said. I drank these little, I went there the other day and they gave me these little tasters. Yeah. And they were delicious. But then afterwards, someone did say it is 11.5. I should have warned you, lads.
1: Yeah. So, vibrant forest, Stygian a dish. What, abyss. what does Stygian mean?
3: St- Stygian, I think, is the, is the underworld. It's the, it's, I think it's, it's the river Styx in in, in Greek mythology. So, it's Stygian is, is sort of from the depths of hell.
1: Well, it certainly sounds like it because it's described as a monster imperial coffee stout in cognac barrels, which is
3: eleven, as
1: Robin said, a whopping eleven and a half percent.
3: I thought I'd go for something completely different because I, it is fun to taste that kind of stuff, and um, you know, I'm not a stout drinker. But how how many would you could you get through of them though in a night? You could only have a little... oh no, I got through this little tasting glass. I've got the cans in my fridge because I liked it, but I actually haven't had a whole can yet. So. Um...
2: I had a funny thing happen the other day where I was in the Lamb Pub in Highbury with my friend Johnny. And there was a really lovely beer on tap there. A really nice lager. And I thought, I must mention that on the podcast. But... uh I just had too many of them and can't remember what it was. So if if anyone wants to get in touch, tell me what's on the uh, the lamb. But um so did did you have a similar experience with the Stygian abyss where you you sort of had a lot of it and you know did that color your... No, like, I
3: didn't have that much. That's the point. I drank a couple of tastes thought, That's really nice. Am I going to drink it at home realistically not, but I'll buy some cans because I feel bad now. I said bought some that and then I bought some I I bought some IPAs and just went back to my safe place.
1: Cool, cool. I have to say, I mean Perhaps the punk IPA aside, but an 11.5% stout <laughs> and a couple of ringwoods do seem to fit the vibe of your pub the, with the mother of all fires blazing. Yeah, that's what they are strong stuff. And I, I, I wonder if you might have a rule whereby there's a pub in Bristol called uh, Coronation Tap, which is a cider pub. And there are certain ciders above a certain strength, which you can only buy in halves. And I wonder if Stygian Abyss might not
3: be sold in full pints. Good point. Great, great shout. I love, I t- I love that West Country cider game. Love all that. Yeah. But yes, good point. The Stygians and a half, right? <laughs> Decision made. What's your,
1: do you have a favourite part of the British Isles for history? Like if, if you could live, here's a slightly different question that you may have been asked. If you could live for 10 years at any point in any place, what what change would you like to see?
3: I mean, the British, w- w- the isles that we live on, the British are, are, are the most extraordinarily concentrated, you know, apart from maybe northern uh, Italy, it, it is just the best place in the world to love history and travel around and look at stuff. So, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Americans fly in and they kind of do London, Windsor, Stonehenge, bath
1: And why not? Because then you can also take in the M4 corridor. Uh, You can check out Reading
3: east and westbound. I mean, miserable. And apparently, lots. It is quite actually. It's a bit crap because between ourselves, Stonehenge is slightly overrated. And you heard it here first. Don't tell anyone. And so, but if you come, I mean, I like, I love it. But if you come from America to see one of the great wonders of the world, you might get there and think, okay, right, I'm okay, fine is it the taj mahal you know is it the terracotta army i'm not sure um don't please don't at me everyone but i think that you know the real itinerary is, is arguably i think you land in the north you, you take in york you take in durham you take in hadrian's wall hexham yes you yes. get into the, you get into the borders you get to edinburgh you get to kelso i i, I think actually that and in stirling castle i think that loop or trip is probably strong. It's probably the strongest in the Isles, I think. But but you know, my North Welsh blood is telling me those. Cars, I mean, uh, yeah, it's impossible. It's impossible to choose. I think the problem with
1: people not being up on their medieval history, Dan, is that they severely underestimate the the importance of the Northeast as an absolute powerhouse of of change in Britain. And you know, at the time, we're essentially living in two separate countries with the the Viking invasion. Uh, in the northeast, but for my money, Durham Cathedral is uh, the UK's Taj Mahal.
3: There you go. I mean, I but I think that's probably true, right? I mean, I think I'd suggest people go to Durham Cathedral rather than Stonehenge deep down. I think I would, but um, 100%.
1: Uh, superb insight there from Dan Snow. You heard it here first. He hates Stonehenge <laughs> and thinks it's rubbish. Yeah. No, don't. I love it. Love Stonehenge. Love Stonehenge. uh, but we well, I was going to say we take a break from expanding our minds but we're not going to take a break from expanding our minds because we head over to the lovely robin for the moon underwater pub quiz
2: okay everybody pens out eyes down it's time for the quiz Played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger. That wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey has been deducted five points. Thanks, John. Uh, what, What are your feelings on pub quizzes, Dan?
3: Well, I actually hate them because I everyone looks at me during the history rounds and they give me it gives me anxiety. Oh, so shit. um it's 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 a disaster. Exactly. But let's let's go. Let's get this. Done. Okay.
2: Cool. Well you'll be pleased to hear it is a history round. Um but but no pressure, no pressure. Um what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read out we've got five questions this week and then we'll go to a break to give you a chance to ruminate. I'm not putting you on the spot, this is for everyone, our listeners at home to take part in as well. And then we can go through the answers uh together to see how well we all did and this week it is our old friend Histor's eye history and the quiz is about monarchs of England and Great Britain and what i'm going to do is give you a year and you have to tell me which monarch or monarchs were on the throne in that year i stole this from only connect last night how do you how do you think you'll fare dan with this
3: I, luckily on this one, I will get 100%.
2: Really? I will get 100%.
3: I will get
2: 100%. That's how you get a first class with honours <laughs> degree in modern history from Balliol College, Oxford. Brilliant. Okay, I love the confidence. How about you, John? Um Well, so, Dan,
1: one thing, well, many things you don't know about me. One of them is I collect farthings. Oh,
2: this might put you in
1: good stead, yeah. However... I specialise in farthings from 1672 to 1901.
3: Oh, God, you're going to be on fire.
1: I'm quite good in the milled copper farthing age, but outside of that, we could be in trouble. However... (laughs) Enough of your Twitter bio. (laughs) Because I've been listening to the History of English podcast, if we're going pre-1221, I'll also be quite good. Right. But we just don't know. Interesting.
2: Okay, so you get the premise then. I'm going to give you five years, basically. Uh, okay, and you have to tell me which monarch or monarchs were on the throne. So the first one, 1520, all right? So write it down, make a note. We'll we'll go through the answers at the end. So 1520 is the first one. Do you need any clues? Do you need me to say it's one or two or three or four or whatnot? Or... No, you can't say so okay, I won't, I won't give you clues then. Okay, so 1520 is the first one. And bear in mind as well, these might not be years you know monarchs came to the throne it might just be a year in their reign you know so okay mm. uh so 1520 question 2 1553 1553 okay uh 1553 question 3 1650 am i outside of your realm here john a bit yeah you've yet to get to my okay. realm <laughs> 1650 is Question three. Okay, this is in your realm, John. Question four. 1835. Uh, yeah. Okay, 1835. Question five is a classic of pub quizzes because it's 1936. Yeah. Okay. Actually, that is a bit of a clue, but so those are the five. Que- those are the five questions. Any repeats?
3: No, we're okay, thanks. Okay.
2: How are you feeling now, Dan? Do you still reckon you're on for 100?
3: I think I'm okay, yeah. I think I'm all right. okay, Okay,
2: I might have to have Wikipedia up by my side, in my mind.
3: Right, folks, we
1: will leave you on those historical, regal, royal tenterhooks as we end part one of this week's Moon Underwater with Dan Snow. Uh, you can join us in part two simply by moving forward in your sort of uh, realm feed of choice, uh, but it will give you an opportunity to deliberate and cogitate on those questions and experience sometime on those hooks. Bye-bye.